everyone and welcome to the Sweet Spot on a Farm, episode 31. Um, today I'm not on a farm, I'm on a beach actually. <laughs> it's pretty lovely, it's sunny, believe it or not, and we're in Newcastle. And my guest today is somebody I approached for help when I was <laughs> stressing out about my exams. Well, stressing out, freaking out about my exams. <laughs> and today my guest is James Perry. He's an exam coach. And um, I think it's really safe to say that he pretty much saved my arse. <laughs> Hi, James. How are you? I'm great, Suzanne. How are you? Thank you for having me. Thank you for agreeing to do this with me. Now, we, we're honestly, we are sitting on a beach. You might hear the sea in the background in a minute. I'm it's getting sunburned. Uh, you're getting, I'm getting sunburned already. It's actually really hot. There's so many things I want to talk to you about. But one of the things is um, you have a really weird background that to me doesn't fit to what you're all about because there is a lot of adventure and spirituality and yeah. your exam coaching is I mean I mean I didn't do accountancy exams and your background is in accounting and that's what you what type of people you usually coach and, and yeah. mentor yeah. but I think what you're doing is applicable to anybody who is to undertake exams but your background is in accounting and and I'd like to hear about your journey from an accountant to an exam coach how did that happen I had a very stereotypical journey so, Susanna, I'd done A-level accounting, I'd done a degree in accounting, a master's degree in accounting, and then became a chartered accountant with a firm in, in Belfast called Grant Thornton. And I worked with them for about nine years. Probably the big thing with that is, is that I never got proper careers advice. So I went and done something that I thought everybody's going to get a massive, you know, you're going to get loads of money, you're going to, it's just a really solid job. And it is that. It is that. What changed to me then was... I wanted work-life balance, so I decided then to change the vocation. And then the exam coaching thing was simply an idea that I woke up with about three and a half years ago. And what I had seen, Susanna, was there was a gap in the market for somebody talking common sense to people, or what I believe common sense is. Because what happens, people do exams, emotion comes in, logic clears off. And hence I just went, okay, let me just talk a bit more logically to people. And, and explain the, the the methods that I employed myself and then also the, the methods I've researched over the last few years. So that's really where it came from in that, don't get me wrong, accountancy is a fantastic career um, with lots of rewards financially and otherwise. And But what I really seen was that I want to help people and I want them to get a world-class qualification in order to do what they want in their life. That's ultimately my my mission at the end of the day. So that's where it changed from being an accountant to now an accounting exam coach. Was the work-life balance like really the only reason or was there, like, I mean, to me, don't get me wrong. Like we need accountants and some people just love numbers. I, I quite like numbers. I like the logic behind accounting and math. Like I'm a very logical person, yeah, yeah, yeah. but I, I went to business college for four years and you know did accounting economy and and my mom thought I was gonna be either working in a bank or I was gonna be accountant but when it came to it I was just like there's no chance in hell I'm going down that route because I would be bored out of my life I just couldn't do I just couldn't do it do, do you actually do you find like the career of an accountant exciting or did, did you enjoy it or was it maybe part of the reason why you wanted out I was an auditor so whenever I went to work for Grant Thornton as a trainee chartered accountant, I was then in the audit department. And people would look at auditors and go, aye, that's boring, but it actually wasn't. So I went from company to company, meeting so many different personalities and seeing so many different systems and travelling a lot as well, that it wasn't actually boring. But it was pressurised. It was a very pressurised environment, full of deadlines, and the client's wishes became your job. So irrespective of what was happening in your life, the client was number one. So that was fine, and I was told that I was actually quite good at it, and that there's a potential partnership position in the firm. And that, um, so 10 years ago, I had, my purpose was to become a partner in the firm. So you're talking about a salary of a couple hundred thousand, you're talking about all the trappings of partnership, wealth, money, status, all that. And that was fine. That's what I wanted to that's what I wanted at that time. But then it changed um, 
probably been a couple of years to go, okay, lifestyle means more to me now. And I then sort of chased... What I then done was I went in into, into industry. So I left accounting practice, went into industry, and I became financial controller of WKD, the drink. For someone who doesn't drink, I became financial controller of an alcoholic drink. And WKD is owned by a Belfast family, believe it or not. So my first role into industry was out of the fan pan and into the fire to take over control of a half a billion turnover business, which was <laughs> very pressurised. So done that for two years and that then was just a wee bit more pressure and then decided to join the government where there was a bit less pressure and that freed me up to work on other ideas and hence accounting exam coach came up woke up one morning and went goodness I helped someone five years ago to get through their exam I wonder can I make a business out of this and now about three years later I've coached hundreds of people around the world um, and I've now got my own business that I can work on from home or I can work on on a laptop whilst travelling. So I don't want, don't get me wrong, if I was to get 200,000 a year, would I be happy? Yeah, or happier, yes. But 60, 70, 80, 90, 100,000 pounds whilst working 20 hours a week is for me at this minute in time even better and having a lifestyle around that. So my priorities have changed over the last 10 years, without a doubt. Um, so yeah, I... And what, what triggered that off, I know we've been talking about this before, but there's a series of, of things that happened to me over the last number of years that actually made me change my mind on a number of things and reprioritize what was important in my life. So, um, yeah, that's where I went from accountant, pure accountant, to accounting exam coach. Uh, it, was, it was really, really good. Really, really good journey. Really scary journey. I'll, 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 not, I'll not say it wasn't. There has been a number of times going, what have I done? I need to go back to the nine to five to get that security. But I'm getting there, aren't I'm getting there definitely. Um, the, as I say, I'm, you've got the excitement of building your own business, but the trepidation is an equal measure in terms of what if this all goes wrong. But if you don't take an educated risk, you know, may as well take an educated risk and, and go and do it. To be honest with you, what I really enjoy about it is seeing people succeed. And, it's, and that's actually the job satisfaction. So rather than 10 years ago, working like working your arse off to get an audit report signed off, which was literally two pages and a set of clients' accounts, I never really seen job satisfaction in that. But I do see job satisfaction. Or someone comes to me in the field and exam three or four times, they're absolutely mentally shattered. And then with my guidance, they then pass the exam and they become a fully qualified accountant, getting a worldwide qualification to go and do what they want to do. Whether that'll be travel around the world because it's a worldwide qualification, whether that is opening up your own business, whether that be going into nearly any industry in the world, because as you say, you always need an accountant. There's two things in the world you always need. One's an undertaker <laughs> and the other's an accountant. Because you're always going to die and you're always going to pay tax. <laughs> well, some people never pay tax. <laughs> well, not going to that. I never, heard, I, I never heard that comment. <laughs> well, not me. I'm just talking about myself. Like. <laughs> okay, that sounded completely wrong. Wink, wink. Not I, de- <laughs> I declare I do pay tax. Just, just to clear that, okay? Just to be clear. Um, what does actually exam coaching entail? Because... I like where you helped me personally is I was freaking out because I was really not believing enough in myself but also I my approach probably wasn't the right one and just a few simple steps of guidance from you changed everything mm. but you know different people probably have different issues and I I can imagine that stress is is one of the major things and and that was one of the reasons why I wanted to talk about this as well because stress obviously we now know and and it's been researched well enough that a lot of physical diseases and conditions and chronic conditions are caused mainly by stress and stress plays a major part in our life in our health and in our mindset and so but I can imagine that stress isn't the only issue that people have when it comes to exams. So what are the most common issues when it comes to um, exams and, and what what does it entail for, for you to be exam coach? What, what do you exactly do? It's not really the most well-known term. Nobody really knew what an exam coach was. In terms of accounting, I was the first exam coach in the world. Oh, wow. That I have heard hell of. 
So only up until six months ago, I have learned of someone who does something very similar to me, and she's in South Africa, and me and her would collaborate a lot. But up until six months ago, I was the only person, the only accounting exam coach in the world. If you type in accounting exam coach, I'm number one to seven in Google. Right? So for accounting students, there was no such concept. So I made it up. <laughs> now, the reason why I made up exam coach was because I was a lecturer. So I've lectured in, in university before. I've um, lectured in private practice before actually teaching accounting. But I thought to myself... Well, people can go and do that. People can go and learn that stuff, right? You've got the textbooks, you've got the material. I'm not going to bore you to tears again by, teach, by talking to you, this, by telling you the same stuff. And there's other stuff that you need help with. And I've seen then a few things. So I was a senior audit manager in Grant Thornton, then, and I also would help the trainees through their exams. And I've seen a number of things that happened. And also would do, I've done the same thing myself. Number one was, yes, your stress levels go up, you panic, your logic goes out the window and it, it abandons you. Um, other things like drawing up a study plan. How do you actually keep the momentum going? You know, do you procrastinate and put things off? Do you have an accountability partner? Doing the exam itself, can you read the paper right? Do you manage your time right? All these things that people never talk about. They'll talk to you about profit and loss accounts and how to do this and how to do that. They don't actually tell you how to do the bloody exam. They don't like I always wondered, it was, that, it was this old thing, Susanna, if you ever noticed, if you were in uni, and nobody ever turned up the lectures, but everybody turned up to the last lecture. Did you ever notice that? Yeah. And why does everybody turn up to the last lecture? For the last 10 minutes, that the lecturer would tell you some magic idea how to pass the damn thing. And they never friggin' did. Right? And I was always frustrated at that. Even from back to uni. So I went, right, let me try and solve that problem. Let me actually try things like this. Do you know how you learn? You know, people don't. People generally, what, what I find most of my clients do is that they will go and read a textbook and then they will wholesale write out the textbook again. That's how a lot of people learn. But it's not the right thing for them. The reason why I know that is because I'd done that all the way through uni. Then it became, whenever I went to work, I didn't have the time to do that. So I decided, I devised another way I learned, which is much quicker and much more effective for me. But people don't think about that. People don't think about anything like that. So that's where I then decided to devise my own accounting exam pass system, as I call it, um, which is a course that t talks people through all this. And that's really where it came from. And then over the last three years, the, the proof of it was that people around the world are coming to me and going, Christ, I need help. So therefore, there's a market for it. And yeah, so that's where I created, it literally came from an idea and... A friend of mine said to me yesterday, because this is still a work in progress, the version one is better than version none. So basically I've just blagged this together and it's working for people. There was no business plan. There was no strategy. There was nothing. There is going to be all that now coming up because version one is going to come into version two. It's going to get more slick. But I basically bootstrapped this business together. Never borrowed a penny for it. It's all in my head. Built the first website for 200 quid. Fired up my name up on LinkedIn and, and Facebook. Was well known for doing some wacky exam tips with the be outside the Royal Palace in Madrid or on the top of Slee Donard. <laughs> so you've got this agent doing a video from the top of wherever that may be, Niagara Falls, saying this is how you manage your time and doing an exam. And then that's how I got my name out there because I appeared very, very different to a teacher or an accountant. You look at me and you go, there's no way you're an accountant. The way I act is not like an accountant. So that's probably what, why I became a wee bit notorious because, yeah, I don't, I don't maybe look like or go on like the stereotypical of what I should be. So that's that's where it all came from. Mental. That's why it's mental. <laughs> it does sound mental. But talking about Top of Sleeve Donard and stuff, you do quite a lot of adventure things. Yeah. And now that you, you actually, you, you did mention that you have a laptop and you, you can literally just work with, with your laptop and you can yeah. work from anywhere in the world. That, that's, that's, that's the kind of place where, I, God, I'd love to be, but unfortunately with the work I do, I can't really do that. The best example I have of that, and this is where I really want to get to completely full-time and I'm obviously working on it now, is that I'm an Egypt maniac. So I adore ancient Egypt. And I've actually done a qualification in ancient Egyptology. Believe it or not, I'm a closet nerd, as I say to people. 
So I've got a qualification in Egypt, an ancient Egyptology from Oxford University. Um, I adored the thing. So I went and done a full tour of Egypt last November. And in the morning time, I was in Luxor, in the Valley of the Kings, in Tutankhamun's tomb. And in the afternoon, we had free time, and I was in the hotel doing a two-hour coaching session, and I charged the guy 200 quid online. That's where I want to get to. How can I get your job? <laughs> you just have to think of an idea and just go for it. That's what you do. That's what you do. Yeah, honestly, it's absolutely insane. Um, I was in Nepal, as you know. I was in Nepal there a month ago. And I uh, was literally keeping in touch with all my clients via WhatsApp and a few video calls and things like that. So, look, we're in the, we're in the, in the entrepreneurial world now that you can work and travel. You can have a lifestyle business if you want. Um, my advice on that, though, is whenever I had the idea, I still had the security of a 95 job. So if you have an idea and you want to work on it, don't be like some of these gurus and you just jump ship and follow your dream. Don't do that. Don't be that friggin' naive. Stick at your 95 job, but do a bit of work on the side. Do your two or three hours in the nighttime and do that three or four times a week and build your business on the side and then see where it goes. Because some people will, will tell you otherwise. They're basically the bullshit brigade, as I would call them. Um, so yeah, build your business on the side. It's a side hustle. And then let it grow and develop and see where it goes to. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, but this is also where the stress thing comes into because when you can work this way, obviously it has a massive impact on how you feel within your mind and, mm. and, and on your stress management, stress levels, because if you can work this way, there is no stress to manage. But it's also finding, Susanna, something that works for you. So I was in a job in accounting that now, looking back on it, wasn't really for me, whereas now I can couple this with accounting exam coach, with I work for Young Enterprise, I also work for University of Ulster, and you know, it's like multiple sources of income, but actually doing something that I now find meaningful. And that's a brilliant position to be in. Um, but talking about stress, just to get back to stress and my clients. Session number one that I do in my accounting system is uh, mindset and uh, motivation session. And so number one is to find that core, what I call the core motivator of why you're doing it. Oh, can I say the, the shit word? Yeah. <laughs> you can swear as much as you want. I just want to say the shit word. <laughs> um, the first question I ask any of my clients is why are you doing this shite for? <laughs> that's the number one question I ask my clients why are you doing this shit? do you not realise the amount of hours you're going to put in do you not realise the sacrifice you're going to put in the hard work that has to be put in and they go yeah I do so I go why and they've never ever thought of that before never thought of it and most people say money but it's more than just money um, I'll give you an example a client of mine in Cyprus he wanted to make his once he thought about it he wanted to make his two daughters proud of him he procrastinated for nine years to do his final exam Nine years. Wow. And he put it off and he put it off and he was free to admit that he got into such a rut with other areas of his life, with his health and stress at work and all that, that it just passed him by. And he gave me a call and to be honest with you, I gave him a bollocking. I just went straight through him for a shortcut. Again, I'm, pr I'm, pr I'm probably quite good at that. I can put my arm around some people and give a rocket to the others, depending on, on that person. And I said, well, why are you doing it? And he came back to me and said, I want to make two daughters proud. And he passed his final exam. That was one of my greatest ever successes. Because I actually, you actually get to the core of why you want to do something. Now, you may discover that you become an accountant and then use that world-class qualification for something else. But that's the driver. Once the shit hits the fan, what's going to get you up in the morning to study for the next session? That's essentially what I want to get at. It's stress, though. So people will, will want to do this accounting co uh, course with me. And then I don't talk about accountancy. And they go, what the frig's going on? Why are you not talking to me about accountancy? But then I ask them the why question, and then I mention things like meditation. And they're going, again, we're not talking about accounting. I go, well, hold on a minute. Your stress is through the roof. Let's get you right back, calm, calm down here and get you grounded here. Because if you're not, you're not going to be rational in your thoughts. You're not going to be able to take on any new information. Your stress management is going to be rock bottom. So let's talk about a process to put in play that will help manage your mindset. Meditation will help you, will help your cognitive ability so you can study more or retain information more and B, manage your anxiety levels. Why should we not talk about it? 
so that's where my stress management piece comes in and um it's it's worked wonders for people people will look at me and go you're an absolute lunatic and then remember the past exam and say thank you so much for that mad to me it's not mad at all because i've actually before i asked you for help i i i, I have been doing meditation for for a while but it's it's more like a general kind of meditation yeah. but actually when it comes to exam you need something more like geared towards the exam and i swear to god this was the first time i think one of the reasons why i was so stressed out is because i'm um well i'm getting old <laughs> Hold on a minute, you're two years younger than me And I'm yeah. young, and I'm young Yeah, but I'm, I'm, it just feels like, you know, this is the kind of I was doing A-level for Christ's sake And I'm 38 years old, you know, and this is the kind of stuff you're doing when you're in your teens Susanna, run your own race <laughs> Who gives a damn what age you are? I know, but I'm, Yeah, like, to me it was like I'm, doing, I'm mad for doing this, but Because I've been so for so long removed from studying of this kind you know it, it I felt under massive pressure mm-hmm. because I have so many study plans for the next like 10 to 12 years and I just felt I need to pass this now so it's a lot of pressure and I didn't give myself enough time to study all the material that I needed to study but it was the first time like I remember from even from high school and from uni when I was even when I knew I am prepared for the exam and I knew I had the knowledge and, and I and I could have been calmed about the exam because I knew I was going to pass. I was always stressed as soon as I sat down, had the paper in front of me, sweaty palms, yeah. shakes. Yeah. My mind was like racing. I had no idea what was going on when I was writing. My hand was shaking as I was writing. This time round... I, and it might be as well that maybe I'm more mature now and I'm doing it for the right reasons but whereas when you're in high school you're doing it because you have to but now I'm doing it because I want to yeah, and because yeah. I'm genuinely interested in it Yeah. but it was the first time I sat down I had the paper in front of me and even when I read questions that I just knew I didn't know the answer to I wasn't freaking out about it my hands weren't sweaty my hands weren't shaking I was calm and I knew that even if I don't pass the paper it's okay because I can reset it. So I wasn't freaking out about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And one of the reasons why I was that way was definitely your quick coaching sessions, but your guided meditations and your steps to, to, to go through when preparing for exams. And definitely the strategy helped me loads. Well, I've got a friend of mine who's a hypnotherapist to, to do a guided meditation specifically sorry it's not specifically for exams but it's a pattern break so what that is is then to go into your subconscious mind to give you a bit more belief and it helped in that the other one was that he also recorded an affirmations um, 10 minute affirmation which is specifically for exams so the other thing I, I, I see with my clients is that the self the, the non-existent self-belief and they'll come along and go, James, I feel I feel this exam, blah, 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 and I'm stupid and I'm, I just can't get through this and all. And I go, well, hold on a minute. Is there strong evidence that you've passed exams previously? They go, yeah. Well, I went, shut up then. <laughs> There's evidence in front of you that you can pass exams. Stop talking shit to yourself. I and I, I do no say that. Approach. And I do say that. I say, right, so we need to reframe this and I will help you reframe this. Here is an affirmations audio I've designed specifically for exams. And what it'll do is I'll pass exams comfortably. I can study well. I have I don't procrastinate. I am calm, relaxed, calm, et cetera, et cetera. And it just helps. And re- now, that may help. That may work for some people. It may not. But it's part of it. It definitely is part of it. I think essentially what it is, another question that I ask people, and this is a really interesting question because five years ago, I would have definitely answered it wrong or not I wouldn't say wrong it wouldn't have given the answer I expect maybe I should say it again what's the most important thing in your life and people go their boyfriends their mum their child and all that and I turn around and go is it not your mind because without your mind you can't comprehend anything else and I certainly would have been in the camp not to give that answer five years ago nowhere near it because I wasn't in the right mindset at all but I think it's so important and it's so important now to get yourself in the right state of mind in order to tackle these. And to be honest with you, accountancy exams are damn hard. It's a hard, hard profession. And to do that, and relatively speaking, every exam's hard relative to the person. So for anybody, unless you're in the right frame of mind, you're not going to pass the thing. You're not. So that's the reason why I do that session number one right up front. That's a shock to people. It really is. Especially when I ask them the questions in the way that I do in my inevitable style. 
as I tend to do. Um, now, don't get me wrong, if it's someone who can't quite take that style, I'll, I'll obviously be a lot more diplomatic. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think you had that word in your dictionary. I'm very diplomatic. I, I'm, I, people know that, honestly, I'm Mr. Diplomatic. I really am, actually. Um, it's funny when we're talking about personalities and mindsets and stuff. You know, you get these personality questionnaires or personality indicators and you're either red or blue or green or yellow. I'm both. I'm red and yellow or whatever the hell I am. Because I am very much the analytical, detailed person, the typical accountant. But on the other side, I am a people person, very much a people person. Um, and I can empathise. I do have a, lot, have a lot of empathy. So I, believe it or not, in that respect, I actually quite unbalanced in that, in that regard. That was actually my other question. I, I wanted to know how, how you approach client, because obviously everybody's different. Everybody yeah. has different issues. Yeah. So how would you approach a client and how you, you know, how you assess your client in respect of, you know, everybody needs different treatment, different approach, different guidance maybe? Yeah, so the first thing is, is that I have a calendar system and so people can book to have a free session, free 15 minute call with me, not a problem at all. And on that booking system, there are three questions in terms of what's your main issue, what's your motivation like and what you want to put in place in order to, to succeed. And that really gives me some sort of indication of what tone I can take with, with someone. Then the 15-minute chat, and probably in the first five minutes, I sort of I know what approach to take. Whether it's going to be the no-nonsense approach or it's going to be the arm around the, sh the shoulder approach. Um, and then I just ex I just essentially explain what I do uh, in terms of, of what I've done in, in the past, um, what's worked for me, and how I can help that person. Because if it's the value that I'm going to offer someone. I'll be honest, and I'll be honest with the client. We talk much more than just exams. We'll talk about holidays. We'll talk about books. We'll talk about what what your interests are, because I find this is a very holistic approach. Also, what it does is that if you don't have a rapport with the client, the relationship is meaningless. Absolutely. So, I want to be able to have that rapport. That Susanna, somebody can text me and go, James, I'm frigged. I need to have a ten minute chat. No problem. But you need to have that relationship already in place so I'll try and put them at ease of where they're at and then offer some suggestions and then I'll say okay I can help you in these areas what do you think and then they'll hopefully come along and, and then we, we do a more formalized thing but that's generally what it is to get to know the person and what their main concern is 80% of the time it's it's that their mindset's shot that they their their mentality is that they're nervous and they're stressed that's about 80% of it um, but yeah it's it's not a bespoke process to be involved with me it's very much in who you are and just really have a conversation that's really what I'm about you mentioned there the holistic approach to it and I absolutely love it because holistic is not exactly what you would pair up with accounting or or me as a person you would like actually no I disagree with that seriously you you definitely radiate, <laughs> radiate. like med meditation and calmness and all that comes with it so but definitely accounting and holistic is just two words that I would never put in one sentence but Susanna depending it, it, it's whether it's accounting or whatever discipline it is we're human and we all deal with this and <laughs> again it goes right back to mindset doesn't matter if it's a degree in tiddlywinks <laughs> right <laughs> Our bloody neuroscience, or whatever. It's all the same thing. It all boils down to the same thing and how you manage how you get on in your mind. Yeah. Well, it is. I can't, I can't disagree with and that. And that's life as well. Your students, your, your clients obviously battle um, all sorts of things and stress amongst them all, but um, do you have any personal experience with stress and, and how do you deal with that personally you obviously mentioned meditation so yeah. I, I presume you meditate in school I was known as oh frig there's a red mist coming down there's a psycho <laughs> coming out again I was very like that in school but it took a lot to press my buttons so it would take a lot to get me ultra stressed um, I'd probably worry I was a worrier maybe more than out and out stress because I was much more perfectionist back then Um everything had to have its place and if anything if it wasn't in its place it just drive me to distraction but one thing that I've learned in the, especially the last couple of years is to, is to talk to people which I never did for 35 years which is to get that emotional support from others to to get people who 
who become your close friends to make them your coaches and mentors, especially those who you, who you trust. And then you can build confidence around that. And that's what happened to me. I'm now much more calm. Don't get me wrong, I'll have my moments because again, we're, we are fallible. You know, no guru on this planet is is calm 24-7 and is all this. If they say they are, they're talking shit. Um, but it's I'm managing it a bit more. It's a work in progress too. There will be times I'll blow up and do that. But it's just knowing that things will pass, that if you meditate and... I've had an instance in the last few weeks that would have really got me to distraction and through experience of now it, 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 it's like a roller coaster so I'm going up and down and up and down with it but the peaks and troughs aren't as big and that's really through meditation and through understanding and awareness that's maybe the key word through awareness of what you're at that's what's changed things for me and it's just that's one thing I would say to anybody listening to this try and become more aware of yourself and become more aware of those triggers um, because once you try and manage that you'll see so many differences in your life and try and get those right people around you too to give proper advice so that, those are the small mechanisms that, that make me less stressed than I was ever before without a doubt um, but it's a work in progress you always have to change you always have to grow and you're never quite there but the journey's the thing like. is that the main thing or the main tool you use to take care of your own health or is Ma- there anything else? the main tool is to talk Meditation, yes, and I'll be honest with you, I don't meditate as much as I, sh- as I should. You know, I try and get at least one ten minute done a day, but I should be doing two and three, maybe ten minutes a day. And some days I don't at all. But again, that's being human. You forget, or there's something goes on, and you just. So I, again, I'll not say I'm one of these gurus that do it every day of the week. No, I don't. But the main thing that I even believe is more important than meditation is talking to others. For 35 years, typical Irish man. You can talk for Ireland, but you don't talk at all. You know what I mean? You talk about, be a blether about this and talk about the weather and talk about this, that and the other, but you don't, don't talk about you. And I learned very dramatically a number of years ago to start talking to people. For example, I never, ever, ever spoke to my dad about emotions. Even as much as I adore him, as much as I love him, you're not going to talk to your ultra-Catholic father about relationships. Or anything like that. Now I do. And I don't wait until these things are finished. I actually try and gain his wisdom or get some of his wisdom in the midst of the situation. So and that gives you much more calm. So once you're in the middle of all the flux and all the shit's kicking off, go and talk to somebody that you trust in the middle of it. Because it'll give you a different perspective on things, without a doubt. It happened to me this week dramatically as well, on a on a on a personal issue. That um that would have maybe caused me, it would have got me into complete tailspin, but actually brought my logic back and thought about it rationally and much, much, much more calm about it. So that's the other thing. Talk to people. That's very mature advice. <laughs> <laughs> You're lying, I'm not mature, I'm not mature. I can, I can be mature whenever I want to be. I can also be an agent whenever I want to be, which I think is maybe, there's a time to be an agent and a time to be mature. Let's speak a little bit about something else. And this is the part I'm really looking forward to. Oh, God. <laughs> no, no pressure. This is going to be funny. Oh, no. Oh, no, they're going to ask me. <laughs> oh, yeah. Let's talk about food. Can I, can I, do I have to be completely honest in this? Oh, yes. Oh, God, right. <laughs> Don't lie. Don't lie. There will be consequences. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, listeners. So, <laughs> tell me, what is your diet like? Dave. It's shite. <laughs> I knew you were gonna say that. <laughs> Absolutely is it, atrocious. Is it as tragic as I think it is? It's probably not that bad, like. <laughs> but I would eat porridge in the morning, for example. I don't eat veg, right? That's pretty tragic. That is tragic. But I do have a vegetable smoothie that I make every morning. Well, then you don't eat veg. Oh, well, I drink it. Well, that counts. <laughs> don't get it. So I have my veg smoothie in the morning, um, and I have my porridge. And I'll have that probably after a train. I'll do a bit of training. Um, love fish, believe it or not. So it's not actually that bad. There you go. I love tuna. I do like meat. I love my steak. It's okay, we're in Ireland. I think as long as it's healthy steak, as it's not grown on hormones and fed corn, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh dear, that wasn't very convincing. I don't know. Um, oh my god! No, and... Let's put it like this. I am a typical 
people will understand this word. I'm a typical culture. I have no idea what that means and I've lived here for 16 years. I'll explain that in a minute. <laughs> so I'm a typical culture Irishman. A culture is somebody from the country. Alright, okay, get it. Okay, so what would you expect a, a countryman's dad to be? Essentially what it is, it's like a big roast dinner, big Sunday dinner. Right? You know what that is, all right? It's buds, meat and gravy. Yeah, that's every night though. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> every night. I'm cringing. <laughs> it's class though. It is lovely. So. Okay, vegans, just really close your ears now. This is not going to be pretty. <laughs> so, like, for example, I had two Christmas dinners. One after the other on the same day on Christmas that's, Day. That's disgusting. It was fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> And literally, I think it was about 4,000 calories on the two plates. Oh, my God. <laughs> and then you know what you do after? you have a wee sleep? <laughs> no, no wonder. No wonder. But no, I, look, do I, I, do, I do jest. I do jest, but I do like my, my dinner. Do you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of like Middle Ages when they had these massive feasts and they would have a bucket beside oh, the folk so they can keep Henry VIII. That's me. <laughs> Apart from all the wives. <laughs> um, well, you sure about that? <laughs> as far as I know. Oh, that's right. You you don't drink, so that's okay. So what? <laughs> well, that means that you couldn't like get drunk, get married, and forget about it. But it makes it even worse when you're sober and you do it. Oh shit! I didn't <laughs> think about that. Oh yeah, I know. <laughs> but yeah, so no. Does that I, actually happen? <laughs> no, it didn't happen to me. I clarify now. It did not happen to me. <clears throat> but yeah, so my diet is very much like a country diet. Um, wholesome. Maybe I'll put it like that. It's a wholesome diet. That's a good word. It is. And did you look it up in a dictionary before we started? No, just made, I made it up there now. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, it is wholesome. And I really load of, I eat lots of bread. That's not good, is it? No. Lots of bread. <laughs> And it's plain bread. You know the difference between plain bread and pan bread? You mean white bread? Yeah. It's really bad. I know, I know it, I know, I know. <laughs> but I do, I do. So that's where I am with my diet. It's it's okay. It's, it's not spectacular by but any means. Do you know veggie smoothie? That counts. Like me and my whole life, it's a work in progress. <laughs> it's a good progress. Like vegetable smoothies in the morning, that, that's yeah. a good thing. Yeah, that's no, a good I, I do that, I do that. You're, you're getting brownie points for that. Oh, did you mention brownie? <laughs> <laughs> so you said you didn't eat veg, but you, you, you do eat some. Please yeah, tell yeah, me yeah. you eat some veg. Yeah, spuds. <laughs> so that's your favourite veg? Without a shadow of a doubt. And the, my favourite way of eating spuds is stew. I absolutely love That's another way of getting veg into me. So I do love stew, to be honest with you. Stew absolutely is actually good. Do you cook your stew yourself? Yeah, my dad makes a fantastic stew, which I can make, but doesn't taste quite as good as his for some strange reason, even though it's the same recipe. you know what the magic ingredient is? Love. No, 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 that he's doing it for me and I don't have to do it. <laughs> That's the magic ingredient. But no, I love that, and you're going to be horrified in the way I eat stew. One bowl of stew, three quarters of a bottle of HP sauce, HP brown sauce, oh and along God. with the stew, four rounds of plain bread, and a pint of milk. <laughs> I feel like crying. <laughs> I feel hungry. <laughs> that sounds brilliant. I can't wait to go and make that. Oh my God. <laughs> and it has to have stew and steak in it. Could, could you have a vegetarian version of that? You just leave the meat out, do you not? Just leave yeah, the meat I out. I think you could, actually. Yeah. yeah, that would be... And we'll try that the next time. <laughs> I'll try that the next time. Do you think you'd be able to share a recipe for, for <laughs> essentially a spud stew? Yes, so you get a load of spuds. You put it into a big pot. You fill it up with quarters of water. You get a load of carrots and onions. You fire it in and you boil it up. And you put bisto in it. No bisto. What is bisto? Brown gravy powder. Or, or OXO stock cubes. Okay. Yeah, or Antesto. So there's my fields, my gourmet dining experience. Fine dining extraordinaire. <laughs> <laughs> but you're not the first guest on my podcast who, who, who likes his meat and who will forgive you that. It's okay, as long as it works for you. It's very balanced. <laughs> very balanced, Dad. You mean you're, you're balanced on a chair when you're eating it? 
I fell off because <laughs> I felt that heavy after eating it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Do I have any more food questions? <laughs> you want to talk some more about food? <laughs> Please don't mention bread again. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Mm, do you know what? I actually quite do miss potatoes. They're not the healthiest thing I, in the world. I do like sweet potato. Do you? Yeah. I don't I like I just like sweet potato fries. <laughs> You're killing me. You're literally killing I know, me today. I know. I know. I know. Uh, to be fair, I do like sweet potato fries too on occasion. They are pretty damn awesome. They are nice. Very very much so. Yeah. With steak. <laughs> Some pepper sauce. Okay, I prefer them with whole steak <laughs> with <laughs> with, uh, with nice homemade pesto and some side salad but <laughs> you know are you talking Czechoslovakian I don't <laughs> under, don't understand any of those words <laughs> oh god talking about the kind of vegetable you never heard of <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> um, but tell me this um, if, if someone needed um, a bit of exam help yeah. approaching or wanted you approach how what is the best way to contact you how can they find you just launched a new website, accountingexamcoach.com. There's a lot of resources on that, by the way. So you've got a learning style questionnaire, you've got blogs, you've got podcasts, you've got hints and tips. Um, you've got access to my books, so you can buy them. You've also got access to my the audios as well that I was talking about previously. And there's the contact me form. So that'll put a calendar entry in. Also, LinkedIn's a big thing for me. So LinkedIn, um, also, Facebook, my face, my uh, business Facebook page, Counting Exam Coach. Um, so there's loads of ways there, and also info at accountingexamcoach.com. Plenty of ways to to contact me. Um, yeah. Just don't ever ask James to cook you dinner. That's the strummer, the <laughs> noise of the cutting of the grass there. That should happen about five, six, seven minutes ago when I was talking about veg. <laughs> I think it actually did. I think he's been here for a while. We were just oh, brilliant! It. Well, people have heard heard all my all my sins whenever it comes to eating veg. <laughs> but um, this has been great. But there's something I I, I want to talk some more about something. Right, that go for it. I, I'm sure my listeners would really like to hear about. Go for it. I, I like to talk about your adventures, especially Ooh. the last one. Oh. Because you've been you you've done loads of adventures and it's all over your Facebook. But I really 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 like your latest one. Yeah. Because you've been in Himalayas for like two and a half weeks. Yeah. And you've done something mental, like what is it, 250 kilometers of walk? Yeah. Or so I've done the Annapurna circuit, which is. One of the most beautiful tracks in the world, according to National Geographic, and I can now attest to that. Um, done a 195 mile walk, reaching the highest pass in the world. So if people know County Down and know Newcastle where we're sitting now, you could sleeve Donard and you've got the saddle, that's a pass. And we got to the highest one in the world, which was 5,500 meters, which was higher, higher than Everest Base Camp and higher than any point in Europe. So we got to there, um, it was a three and a half week track, uh, it was tough for me because I wouldn't necessarily be a tracker. I'm what people call a meathead, in that I go and lift weights in the gym. I'm one of those annoying people. So walking 195 miles was tough for me. And it's the achievement of it. So things I do, Zana, in my life is now achievement driven, probably than money driven. So success for me is achievement in different areas. So this was a huge achievement for me especially given the fact it was tough. Um, seeing some amazing scenery was with three other Irish fellas, and let's just say the crack was unbelievable. There was serious amounts of shite spoken. <laughs> we were with two Sherpas, and they learnt a few things from us. Um, I don't think they'll ever have a tour group like, like us again. <laughs> but it was fantastic from that perspective. And look, it was tough. I would definitely suggest people to do it because it puts you out of your comfort zone. Mm -hmm. So actually living in, in sleeping in 10, 10 shacks essentially for three and a half weeks, having to do your business in a hole in the ground. So therefore you have to hold on for a couple of days. Uh, <laughs> that was all very challenging, but very, whenever you actually come from that experience and you go, look what I've just witnessed or encountered, it was brilliant. The other thing that is a huge lifetime um, goal for me or achievement for me is that 
there is the eight wonders of the world, which is the seven modern wonders of the world, and the original ancient wonder of the world, which is the Great Pyramid. And I've done six, so I've got two more to go. The two being Chichen Itza in Mexico, which I'll do later in the year. And then the final one is the Great Wall of China. So I'll hopefully get that, I'll get those two done by the end of 2020. And then I'll just have to think of my next goal, which is probably to, see all, to go to all 50 plus countries in Europe at some point. So travel has certainly been open, opened up my eyes and experienced a lot of things. I love culture as well. Like I said before, I, I love Egypt. That's, that's one of my greatest ambitions was last November. Whenever it wasn't necessarily just the pyramids I wanted to see, it was a couple of the other temples off the beaten track. There was one temple in particular called Abu Simbel, where Ramesses II declared himself divine. So he says, I'm not a demigod like all these other pharaohs, I'm actually divine. And he built this massive temple to himself. And yeah, that was phenomenal. Actually eyeballing that, there was a few tears shed that day. It was unreal. Um, so yeah, that's, that sort of stuff means a lot to me. You know, there's, there are people who are driven by certain things, whether it be money or material stuff, I'm driven by experiences. Yeah, we're not getting surrounded. I think on that note, we might have to finish the podcast because it's getting really busy. And there's tons of, oh, hello, there's tons of dogs here and kids, and it's getting a bit loud. But yeah. on the note of traveling, thank you very much for this chat. It's been fun, <laughs> it's been really awesome. But yeah, thanks very much, James. It's been amazing, and I'd love to have a chat with you sometime again. Let's do another episode yeah. at some point. It'll be great fun, great crack. Thanks very much. Thank you. Thank you. So that was episode 31 and I hope you laughed at least half as much as I did. Um, if you didn't manage to take a note of James's stew, um, we did leave out the beef for our plant-based friends and so essentially all you need is spuds, carrots, onions, water, bisto, whatever the hell that is, and ox cubes. Um, Boil it all up and please do not serve it with four rounds of bread and half a bottle of HP sauce the way James eats it because apart from this probably not being that good for you, it sounds completely insane. And for those who can't stomach Bisto ox cubes or HP sauce, I will post a spicy vegan stew recipe since James's favorite vegetables are potatoes. Um, so James, that one is for you to spice up your stew routine. Uh, for those without access to social media, what you'll need for the spicy stew is two tablespoons of coconut MCT or any other really good quality oil that does not turn into trans fats at a high temperature, so probably olive oil, um, one medium onion, 600 grams of red skin potatoes or purple potatoes, three stalks of celery, one large carrot, two to three handfuls of shredded kale or black kale, or you can use maybe three or four large leaves of cabbage, um, preferably white cabbage, not the purple one, because your whole stew will be purple, uh, one teaspoon of cumin seeds, half a large red pepper, red bell pepper, three medium garlic cloves, one teaspoon of paprika, one and a half teaspoon of Tabasco. Now this is optional. If you don't want to use Tabasco or do not have Tabasco, use maybe three quarters of a teaspoon of cayenne pepper, one to two sprigs of fresh rosemary and half a small bunch of fresh thyme. Some sea salt, some pepper, some fresh parsley, one and a half cup of vegetable broth or stock or spring water. Now this recipe is for a slow cooker. If you don't have a slow cooker you'll just do it on a hob in a pot and just obviously don't cook it for as long. But for a slow cooker you need to heat your oil in a pot and saute the finely chopped onion with the cumin, some salt and pepper. And when the onion is soft you just transfer it into your slow cooker pot and add the quartered potatoes chopped celery, carrots and the shredded kale. Then you add the finely chopped thyme and rosemary and the whole bay leaves, 
put the chopped pepper and garlic in a blender with paprika and Tabasco or cayenne pepper, whichever you're using, and blend it into a smooth paste. You should not need any water to add into the blender because the pepper will release a lot of water. Then you mix the pepper paste into your vegetables and just stir it until everything is well coated. Then add enough of your vegetable broth or stock or the spring water with salt until your veggies are just about covered and cook it at the lowest setting for about eight hours until the potatoes are so soft that they fall apart at a touch of fork. Now when the stew is ready you can season it if necessary and top it with some freshly chopped parsley. This stew is really nice on its own with a piece of homemade flatbread and a side salad. Not four rounds of white plain bread, James. And if you have some leftovers, what you can do is blend it into a spicy vegetable soup and just serve with homemade crackers and some pesto. Now, if you have IBS or SIBO or are simply sensitive to high FODMAP foods, you can use leek or scallion leaves in place of onion. And if you can't eat garlic, obviously, if you have IBS, you might be sensitive to garlic, um, you can just leave it out. But if you want an extra spice kick, you can replace the garlic with a little bit of fresh ginger. Uh, you can also try chilies in place of Tabasco, although I do prefer cayenne pepper myself. And you can use vegan butter in place of coconut oil and... You can also try and make it with sweet potatoes. Now, warning, sweet potatoes and carrots together, eaten way too often and in high quantities, equals vitamin A overload. So if you don't want to have orange face, please do not eat too much of this. And not too often. If you're going to eat two to three portions every day, you're asking for an orange face. And that's it. If you enjoyed this podcast, please kindly leave us a comment on SoundCloud or our social media. Or even better, if you can spare a minute or two, please do rate us on iTunes and leave us a little review. The ratings actually do help and it will help to get this podcast in front of much wider audience. And I will be really, really grateful to anybody who will leave us at least a sentence or two. Remember that our recipes can be found on Instagram and our Facebook group page in the file section. And if you'd like to buy the Sweet Spot cookbook, you can either find it on Amazon or you can drop me a message on social media for a personal order with free UK delivery. And that's really it. Have a lovely couple of weeks. And if you're facing any exams, remember to meditate and more importantly, stay healthy. Until next time. Bye. As every week, your host is myself, Susanna from The Sweet Spot. Music by Mark J. Adair and artwork by Gemma O'Hagan. Thank you for listening. Thank you.